Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Check us out at thecorner3.net. So, it's really interesting we're talking to Phoenix Suns today because you got to think when you look at 90s NBA jerseys, they have to be in the upper echelon elite of the great 90s jerseys, right? S tier. Completely. Like Kevin Johnson, Dan Marley, Charles Barkley style? Yes. Great era. Yes. Great great jerseys. And I've gl- I'm glad they've kindly they've kind of brought those back a little bit. They're very similar, but the problem with NBA jerseys now is they don't have like the liner around them like they used to. Right. You know, they look like they're too busy with sleeves. Everybody's everybody's using everybody's using jerseys and jerseys that look like they're for practice. I mean, but <laughs> let's move on, Tim. Awesome. Welcome to my debut of the Corner 3 Fast Break. As we know, Sean and Alex have been turning these out and doing kick-ass things with them. So we are super stoked to be doing this one, talking the Phoenix Suns. And we got to bring on none other than Mr. Owen Sanborn. Owen, thank you so much for taking time to talk Suns basketball with us. Always. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. So, Owen, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you, who you represent, what site you write for, and... uh where your son's fandom began. So I currently I'm with brightsideofthesun.com. We're affiliated with SB Nation, and uh, I've been covering the team all summer. Uh, going back to pre-draft workouts, I've got to see all the pro- prospects up up close, and uh, which it's fitting that they have four draft picks. So I actually became very familiar with all of them throughout the summer. And my son's fandom dates back all the way to 2004, 2005. So kind of when the seven seconds or less era began. It's when I moved to Phoenix when I was nine years old. So it's kind of brought me here. I've, I'm a Steve Nash fanboy. I'll defend Sean Marion to the death. And uh, Mari Stoudemire is one of my favorite Suns players of all times, for sure. That's that's great. I you know <laughs> you guys had you guys had a great era a little while ago, and uh, it it's kind of turned around in a in a weird way. Um, oh, and I kind of just want to go back um, to the beginning of last season. Um, which was kind of a weird one for you guys uh, at the yes. beginning. <laughs> um, not yeah. So uh, beginning of last season, uh, you sign Tyson Chandler to a four-year, fifty-two million dollar deal. He plays sixty-six games, uh, averages seven points, eight rebounds, less than a block a game, uh, and I kind of feel like they intentionally signed him like as a ploy to get uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, and they almost did. But, uh, you know, I, I, now he, he's there with these random, this random guard lineup. Uh, what do you think about Tyson Chandler? <laughs> well, I guess, to put it lightly, he's kind of turned into a sunk cost, per se. But now he'll be, he's kind of transitioning to more of like a locker room presence. And his contract yeah. doesn't look as bad because of this summer. But no, when we signed Tyson Chandler last summer, we immediately all thought, all right, Aldridge is coming. They wouldn't do this for nothing. They wouldn't send out uh, Marcus Morris to Detroit. They were making salary cap space. They brought in Chandler. They brought him to their meeting, and it almost worked because Aldridge even retrospectively said the Suns were right there. And then Greg Popovich laid the smackdown, and you know what happened. What the rest happened. So, no, Chandler's Chandler's good. He's he's kind of uh, like you said. He only played sixty something games last year, so he's not. I don't know if he's going to be as durable as he once was, or he'll have the best impact. But he's still a great locker room guy to have, and. I mean, he can still he's still seven foot one, so he can block some it's shots. True. Hopefully, grab some boards and just be a good influence. Yeah, I uh, you know I, I and he's won a title 
I mean, and he's been a, he's been a defensive player of the year before. So I mean, he's he's someone great to have. But I I just I don't see him finishing that contract in Phoenix at all. Oh no. No, no. no. Um, so let me just keep, let me let me keep going with last year. Uh, you sign Brandon Knight to a five-year, seventy million dollar deal. He ends up leading the team in scoring. Uh, I mean, he had a decent year. I don't think he was. Uh, I, I mean, he, he was decent. And uh, then you had Eric Bledsoe, who got hurt. I think he played thirty-two, thirty-three games. Yeah. And uh, that was kind of uh, that was kind of it after that happened. I think I they really didn't seem to take off after that. Uh, any news about him? Is he going to be ready for the beginning of the season this year? Or Yeah, Bledsoe's been around the facility all summer. He's been in high spirits. He actually uh, brought out a lot of the young guys and paid for them to all have a trip in San Diego. Brandon Knight was included in that. So that was back in June. So they, he's kind of been spreading the good vibes. He's done a lot of community stuff with the Suns fans. and uh, I, he was, People forget, he was kind of playing at like near all-star level last year through the first oh, yeah. 30, 33 games. And then he just he can't dodge that injury bug. So. No, I have high hopes for Eric Bledsoe. It's just the question is just going to be whether or not he can stay healthy. But he said he uh, he looks like an ox in person. It's ridiculous seeing him in person. But um, he said his knee's feeling great and he's on track to start the season. So great, got to hope it it plays its way out. Yeah, I, I do like him a lot. He's pretty decent. Um, yeah, he's kind of one of those under the radar guys that doesn't get appreciated. I mean, I because he gets agree. hurt so much. So yeah, yeah. Um, Last year, you draft Devin Booker out of Kentucky. He averages almost 14 points a game. Shoots 34 from the three. Um, didn't make a huge impact, but um, I expect bigger things from him this year. Yeah, you're uh, you're kind of underselling it compared to the fans out here in Phoenix. People are really passionate about Devin Booker, yeah. especially seeing him in Summer League. Uh, people yeah. are really latching on to him to become in the face of the franchise, which I think is a little bit premature, but um, <laughs> he's definitely showed flash- flashes last year that the, make the, people the, excited. The baby face of the franchise. He's, he looks like he's 12, man. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he got bigger in person, too, though. Yeah. Um, so uh, the Suns fired Jeff Hornacek in February. It was like one of those things. It was That was such a weird time because, you know, like a week and a half, two weeks go by, and, and you know what's going to happen. Like there's just rumblings, and it's like just fire the guy already. Why do you keep making him coach? He knows yeah. he's going to get fired. Yeah. So the assistants kept going off one by one, and you're just like, when's it going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> so they appoint Earl Watson as head coach to give him a three year contract. Um, I liked him as a player, so um, that's cool. Uh, you know, they're giving him. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, throughout the season, you guys had a lot of injuries and stuff, and I was just looking through the transaction list of how many people you signed and waived. Yep. With like ten ten day contracts, uh, you you signed Lorenzo Brown, Sonny Weems, Jordan McRae, Corey Anderson, Orlando Johnson, and Paul Pressey all just like small deals throughout the season yep. <laughs> to fill the void. And then you waive Chris Humphreys in February, and you sign Chase Budinger and Alan Williams in March, and they're they're still there. Um, which is fine and everything, but you end up the season in 23 and 49, second to last in the Western Conference. Not a year to remember in Phoenix. Not at all, no, but you mentioned all those transactions that helped uh, give our site some content, so we were just kind of flowing <laughs> with all the transactions. <laughs> <laughs> that was nice to have. <laughs> I, I was just I was just going through it. It's like you know, it's like we sign Sonny Weems to ten days. We wave him. <laughs> we bring him back. You know, I'm just like, what is going on here? Yep. yep. I mean, uh, There's a lot of moving parts. But but this off season, uh, 
some good things happen, I hope. Uh, you draft the uh, 2016 International Man of Mystery, uh, Dragonbender. <laughs> um, I, personally, I'm a little worried about this pick. I, yep. I don't... I, <laughs> or, or, is everybody skeptical in Phoenix as well, or is that just me? Once again, no, they're over the moon about it. It's who they wanted the whole time, but I was kind of skeptical. I'm not a big... Uh, I mean, Porzingis, I think kind of helps ra- like rationalize taking Bender at four, but at the same time, I've never been a big fan of taking the European guy over the proven college athlete. So I, I was championing Ch- Jalen Brown the whole time, but then he ended up going one pick in front of us. So um, I wasn't, I, I, we obviously couldn't get him, but no, people are excited about Bender. See him up close. He's, he's a pure like seven footer and they were playing him a lot at small forward, which I found interesting because they think his handle can kind of translate, but it's one of those things where he's almost too big. Like, Chandler Parsons is a pure 6'10", and he's kind of almost too big, too. But Bender has a good two, three inches on him. And I don't know. It just kind of looks awkward at times. So I think his natural position in the future will be as a four. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he'll he be interesting. I, uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm not super excited about that pick. But <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, uh, later on, later on in the draft, um, you end up uh, you end up picking at the 28th pick. Um, Scal. uh a BCA out of Kentucky uh, because Phoenix loves Kentucky players, but they immediately realized that he wasn't a guard, so <laughs> they got rid of him. <laughs> so they were like, "Okay, now the wrong position." So they trade him <laughs> along with uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich and uh, Yurgo Papayanis to the Sacramento Kings for the. You're eighth giving pick. your tongue a workout, dude. I mean, it's, it's, it's so many foreign players. Uh, <laughs> Earning so, those passport stamps, you are. <laughs> so they trade him out to Sacramento for the number eight pick, um, Marquise Chris out of Washington, and uh, I, I like this pick more yeah. than Rockin Bender. Uh, he's he's really athletic. He plays above the rim. He has a post game. He averaged thirteen and five in twenty five minutes. Um, I'm I'm excited to see him. Is that is that is that accurate? Yeah, I think he will be the the more like he'll be more likely to have an impact this season for sure than Bender. But um, he's still got some some warts on his game. But at the same time, people are excited about him too. Yeah, and uh, most importantly, you bring back fan favorite Barbosa. So yeah, I mean, that's, people, people love him. He's great. Oh yeah, and you combine him with bringing back Dudley too, and people were just freaking out around here, dancing in the streets. <laughs> it was yeah. it's uh, people are excited. Snag Grant Hill, and you guys are set. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't go to Kentucky. Bring back Nash's, bring back Nash's coach. Yes, perfect. <laughs> so I mean. Sean has rattled off a list of just a complete litany of European players that have come in and out of the Phoenix Suns uh, roster and everything. The deep transaction history you guys had last year and all of that. Where this year, heading in the 2016-2017, where do you put the the Suns' current identity? Uh, definitely young and up and coming. But it's weird because they have a lot of young younger players that um, are kind of blocked by older players. Like P.J. Tucker's on the roster. You mentioned Tyson Chandler before. Um, like Bledsoe and Knight, they're not older, but they're kind of more established while we still have Booker and now Tyler Eulis waiting in the fold. So it's going to be weird how they jungle all the minutes. It almost feels like there's a trade or three coming still. But um, yeah. at the same time, if people have rational expectations that they're a young team on the rise, um, I don't think they'll be disappointed. But some people are proclaiming that they're going to be like they're an eight seed and waiting, and I don't really agree with that. Um, 
what do you think the likelihood I mean we've had the Bledsoe Knight backcourt for maybe what a season and a half maybe two seasons has it mm-hmm. been that long how long do you think before that ends I mean I, I feel like one of those guys is going to end up leaving yeah um it's tough to say because I think the a lot of the cry was for Knight to get traded this summer, but then you see all the contracts getting handed out to all the other free agents, and Knight's contract certainly looks not so bad. And I think they would have been uh, selling low on him as an asset. So I think uh, GM Ryan McDonough kind of just sat on it, and he's going to play back to see how it goes. Um, Knight's still going to start alongside Bledsoe, but again, I think over time Booker's going to overtake him, and Knight's going to become more of a six man which i believe is his natural role anyways he's kind of an undersized two guard and he gets beat on defense pretty handily so i think if he will accept the six-man role eventually he might not even have to leave so okay um okay yeah i think there is i'm more of an optimist when it comes to that whole situation than most suns fans at this point but um, okay. i totally understand the gripes it just it just seems like a temporary situation to me i i don't know why but it just does and yeah. uh, you know they're both great um I, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, Devin Booker is going to end up being the, the starting two eventually. I'd, I'd like to see him in that role. I mean, I, I really liked him at Kentucky. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then you've got uh, you wrote a really you wrote a piece the other day about uh, Archie Goodwin. Mm-hmm. And uh, how does how does he fit into all of this? I don't think he does. That's what the, <laughs> the whole piece was. <laughs> Like, like where he, does he fit? He can't. Yeah, yeah. I just, you know, it's just like they're just holding on. They have so many guards. Like I just feel like they just need to move some of them. And you ended up getting rid of uh, Mark Keith Morris last year, who I actually liked. Um, but uh, what what did Phoenix fans think about that trade? Because I mean, everyone knew he had, he had to go. Yeah. No, I mean, they were kind of torn about it because I mean, obviously the talent. He has good talent. His contract's awesome, but at the same time. It was getting to the point where he wasn't trying his hardest because he had a, he had a, a gripe with the front office because they traded his brother and because him and his brother signed a contract tandemly so they each signed deals like together the Suns gave him one set price and they had to distribute between themselves and then they ended up trading like so they thought they were going to stay in Phoenix for four years but then they ended up trading his brother after one year so um, I think he was upset at the front office for that and he wasn't trying his hardest and. Um, they ended up getting the 13th overall pick for it, which they ended up trading to get Chris. So I think it, yeah. it, it, they basically essentially they traded Morris in some fashion for Chris, which I think that could turn out well. Yeah. And just read right here, guys. This is the Corner Three Podcast Fast Break. We were talking with Owen Sandboard of Bright Side of the Sun, uh, SB Nation site there. So Owen, um, as Sean continues to list off these Kentucky guards that Phoenix seems to love. <laughs> In comes Tyler Eulis, the 5'9 point guard who led the infamous 38-1 Kentucky team that loses in the Final Four. And actually beats the guy I thought was a better fit for Phoenix in a second-round point guard spot. You guys take Eulis. Not that I, th- I think Eulis would be a very fine player as far as like, a ro- rotational player. Uh, Demetrius Jackson sitting there hanging out. Um, Demetrius Jackson has an incredible combine. He jumps. Uh, he's got the second-best jump uh, uh, vertical in the past few years. Ironically, to Pat Connaughton, his college teammate. Um, were you shocked they went Eulis over Jackson there? No, and I personally love Eulis. I'm surprised Eulis was still there. But Eulis and Booker were roommates at Kentucky, and they're best friends. So I think that was also had something to do with it. So I wasn't surprised at all that they went Eulis. I got you. Yeah, and of course the summer league, I mean, he looked pretty damn good there as well. So as we keep talking, about yeah, he's that. really 
he's really small, and uh, but he kind of makes up for it with his instincts. Like you said, mentioned summer league, he was a he was a monster in summer league. He was all over the place, and he just knows how to play the game. Where Jackson, yeah, he might have all the measurables, and I actually like talking to him in person too. I got to meet him when he was in Phoenix for workouts. He seemed like a great dude, but I get why they went U.S. He just it seems like he has a better feel for the game at this point. That's fair. Yeah, I, I certainly think that's fair there as well. Maybe the raw ability there. So let me ask you this before I let the guys get in this, because this is just, you know, you talk about how much you've loved the signs. You talk about the Amari and Steve Nash teams. What was your excitement level when Shaq came to town? Oh, I was I, I was excited, but at the same time you realize they're, they're going to have to change completely how they played. Because when you have yeah. Shaq, you, you have to go up the court slowly and – so then it was like, how does that fit with how Nash wants to play? And then Amari has to play solely at the four. And it it was weird. But at the same time, expectations were high. And we understood why we did it in Phoenix. And we were sorry to see Marion go. But obviously it didn't work out. So um, in retrospect, it, they shouldn't have done that. And Steve Kerr actually talks about that, how he shouldn't have messed with uh, that trade at all. But no, we were, did, we were definitely torn. Didn't he say when he made it, he said he could either be the smartest man or it could be like the smartest or stupidest trade ever made, but you always make a trade for Shaq if you can make a trade for Shaq. Exactly, yeah, and they yeah. were contending with the Spurs at the time who had Duncan, and they always had big men, so they were trying to match up with that, but it didn't work out. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. that was when they were transitioning to from like D'Antoni into Alvin Gentry and stuff like that, so it was kind of a, we're going to try and make this Shaq trade work at the same time, so I would, would you think that it was kind of also like a transitional game too, where they kind of accepted the run and gun, maybe needed some adjustments, and that's why they pulled the trigger on that? Yeah, I think they just fallen short so many times that they decided, hey, we have to change it up. Because, like, the definition of insanity is you keep doing one thing and it doesn't turn out. Why are you going to keep doing it, you know? So I think Kerr was just like, we have to shake it up, try and match up with the Spurs. We can't beat them. And it ended up kind of biting them in the butt. So it didn't work out. And then the, they made the conference finals in 2010 playing Gentry's fast-paced, fast-breaking style. So the whole Shaq thing, obviously, I understand why they did it, but it didn't work out. Sure, yeah. So uh, I, I've been asking this question to everybody that we've talked to. When you kind of look at the body of work at the roster and everything, uh, with Phoenix, I, I think it's particularly interesting to, to ask this question. And the same answer keeps coming up, so this uh, question's about to have a name to it if you go the same route. I won't spoil that yet, though. But if you could realistically, so the top you know, 10, 12, 15 players out of the league aside, if you could realistically add a player to Phoenix's roster, who do you think puts you guys over that hump or gets you to that like that next level? So you're saying like a prospective trade or just... Uh, either like an addition by subtraction, if that means trading someone from your roster to get somebody else, or if you could just like, when you look at the NBA roster in general and you just kind of point a finger and go, that's the guy we need, if we could get him realistically, who who is that guy? Um, Man. See, the Suns, I think they need a three-man. So off the top of my head, it, I mean, there was rumblings around here that they are going to try and trade for Jabari Parker someone like that. It's just a younger guy that would mesh in with the, with the young core. And he's kind of has, has a lot of time to develop. He didn't have the rookie season. Everyone thought he was going to have, and he got hurt and then he comes back and he can't shoot threes anymore. But someone like that, I would have taken a chance on, but obviously Milwaukee wasn't trying to trade him. Um, sure. I'm a big Jimmy Butler guy. There was rumblings about that too. <laughs> they were going to trade Eric Bledsoe and like the fourth pick for Jimmy Butler. I thought that would have been an interesting thing to look at. Um, he's got a long-term deal in place. He's a two-way player. He kind of could have been the face of the franchise from that standpoint. I know he was looking to be a face of the franchise uh, when Rose was there, so I think we, Phoenix could have been an attractive destination for him from that standpoint. Now he's an Olympian, so 
Um, no, I, I think Jimmy Butler is a good answer to that question, actually. No, I agree completely. So far, apparently, uh, with everyone else we asked, there's a correct answer, and it's Paul Millsap. <laughs> Everybody oh, just wants Paul Millsap. So this is this is now the Millsap Award, I feel like. <laughs> Sounds like I trained for him, too, so... Yeah, there we um, go. He, there's, there's a, there's, he's a hot commodity, man. He's he's great. <laughs> he is great. I will. Yeah, I, I love Paul Millsap. Who doesn't? I guess at this point, you can't not like him. Right? Yeah, I, I think it's a national law if you're an NBA fan that like Paul Millsap fits in your team, and this is why. Yeah. <laughs> um, so oh, we're right here, man. And uh, we mentioned it here, so. There's the rumblings that come out. Um, Amari Stoudemire retires, quote-unquote retires from the NBA as a member of the Nick. And there's been some stories that came out that said um, he you know, he really wanted to do it as a son, uh, but they weren't going to allow that to go that way. Uh, what is your reaction to that there? Uh, do you feel like that's really the case? I mean, would you, as a guy who grew up with that Suns team, want to see Amari's, like, his last day in the NBA be as a member of the Suns? Yeah, I was bummed. I was bummed that whole thing didn't get worked out. I don't really have a scoop or intel as to why it didn't work out, but I'm just going to assume there was differences between uh, owner Robert Sarver and Stoudemire because Stoudemire left. Maybe that was the problem, but no, we were all really bummed in the area that um, he didn't get to retire as a son. He played the majority of his career with the Suns. He grew up, became a star with the Suns, and um, he has a big falling out here, so I'm surprised it didn't happen. Like It was only a one-day contract. I think uh, the moves could have been made to make that happen, but that's just me. Is that more disappointing than seeing Steve Nash in a Laker jersey? <laughs> the good thing is we didn't have to see him that much because he was hurt the whole time. But, True. Um, <laughs> that, that was the nope. saddest collection of talent that ever ever happened. thought they were going to bring out walkers for that team eventually, you know? It's, <laughs> including Blake. Like, yeah, exactly. No, his back was flaring up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had a headband at that time, though. Don't forget. Yeah, those, were, those were the uh, the Wilt Chamberlain, Dwight Howard days. <laughs> Twelve and thirteen, man. Twelve and thirteen. Uh, oh, don't want to remember that at all. Uh, real quick, Owen, uh, if you had to pick, I mean, yeah, first, first, your your top five sons of all time. Um. All right. So Nash is one. Okay. Just because. Obviously. Yeah, obviously. And then Barkley, obviously, I think is two because you mentioned that uh, we were talking about the 93 team before and he led the team to the finals. That's the only Suns team that's made to the finals besides the 76 team. Um, and then Dan Marley, still, he's still around the area and he had a big following. I, I think Dan Marley deserves uh, some recognition there. I would throw Stoudemire in there, obviously. He played eight great years in Phoenix, um, known as Stat. He was kind of Phoenix's first like homegrown star that i can think of because they drafted him 02 out of high school and they blossomed him into a star and then um let's see i'm gonna throw marion in there yeah i think he has a borderline hall of fame career and again he grew up with the Suns, and he was undersized player big uh he was known as the matrix big highlights all the time and fan favorite around the city great guy so um i that that'd be my top five tentatively off the top i i I like i like all those guys i especially like dan marley he was he was one of my favorites back in the day and he's he was just awesome even when he played for the heat i just i I still liked him he was just he was a great player great throwback jersey indeed indeed so owen the most important question in relation to the phoenix suns that we have to know is will the Bryce side of the Suns start a petition with the corner three? This is a unification to bring back the outdoor game. <laughs> oh, I like it. Yeah, I like I mean, it. Can yeah, we it do like, this? 
I think we can. <laughs> we get enough. We get enough uh, signatures, and we get enough backing behind it. Let's get a social media campaign going. I'm all for. We've got four signatures it? right here. To <laughs> <laughs> start, that's a solid start. Um. One of the last questions I, I kind of wanted to ask you: Where do you uh, where do you see the Suns at the end of the season? What what what's going to be? Uh, well, first of all, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal two two tricks out of Alex's bag here. I'm sorry, Alex. Fine, go ahead, man. Go ahead. Okay. Um, what do you think their record will be at the end of the season? First of all, um, let's go guess with today. thirty and fifty-two. Thirty and fifty-two. So they're not making the playoffs at all this year. No chance. I don't think so. No, I don't think they should. Like, I think it's a wishful thinking thing, but I don't think that should be the expectation. Okay. Well, I like that. And uh, bold prediction for the Phoenix Suns this year. Oh, man. Um, Booker becomes the starting two halfway through the season. Okay. I like that. I like that. Um, Just kind of, you know, for fun, I I saw on your Twitter you're a Seinfeld enthusiast. Yes. (laughs) Big. How... Have you seen every episode multiple, multiple times? I'm assuming. Oh yes, Hun- okay. yeah, probably hundreds. Okay, I'm a big Seinfeld fan too. Recent, last two years, it became my nice. favorite show. It, it took the place of Roseanne. So, <laughs> wow, it's tough competition. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite Seinfeld episode of all time? Oh man, put me on if the you, spot. No, if you had to pick today, one that you've watched a million times, one that you think is just absolutely hilarious. Everyone says the contest because that's the easy answer. And, it's a good uh, one. Damn yeah, good it's one. definitely it's definitely a damn good one. But I'm gonna go with the marine biologist when yes. George does the whole thing with the blowhole at the end. And he yeah, the the uh, yeah the the last the last few lines of that episode is just oh, they're great, and everything comes together. All the stories, it's perfect. It's, it's perfect writing, it's, and it's classic. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I really like that one as well. I think that's probably my one of my favorites yeah so okay i was just i just wanted to throw that out because you know it's fun there's so many there's so many you know episodes and stuff and people always are like from one side to the other which ones are their favorite and everything so i was just curious so um, i I like that no one asked me about seinfeld everyone asked me about the sun so that's a nice change (laughs) yeah big big seinfeld fan so um uh, one one last question while we're while we're asking stuff like this here. Uh, I, I I brought this up on the first episode, and it's kind of nice to have someone who's actually seen Bogdan Bogdanovich play basketball. Uh, <laughs> can you confirm that he is or is not three Keith Bogans in a trench coat? Because I have this theory that he's just three Keith Bogans stacked on top of each other in a trench coat. Can you confirm or deny that? Uh, sources will confirm that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. We will confirm that for you. I will sleep easy tonight. There you go. <laughs> and with that being said, we're going to close out this week's fast break of the Corner 3 podcast. Thanks again, Owen. Really enjoyed having you on, man. Uh, before we get you out of here, the floor is all yours. We're going to shout out your site, how people can follow you on social media. Take it away, man. Yeah, so uh, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. It was a lot of fun. And uh, brightsideofthesun.com is where I write. Um my Twitter handle is at Owen Sanborn, O-W-E-N-S-A-N-B-O-R-N. Follow me on Twitter. I have an Instagram, too, Facebook, whatever you need. Uh, I'll be there. Thanks for having me on, guys. This was fun. It was, man. We Thanks look for forward to your time, like, talking sun soon, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Outdoor game. Don't forget it. I, uh, let's get those signatures. Let's Sounds do good. it. <laughs> Thanks, All man. right. Well, I, I will work on acquiring signature number five. Four's <laughs> a great start. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. See you, man. Take See care, you. man.
Thanks for listening to the Corner 3 Podcast, weekly tales of the NBA's hardwood from the suburbs of Cincinnati. Be sure to add us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and check out our brand new website at thecorner3.net.